Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. Let's walk together for a few minutes. Greetings once again, friends. I'm Lauren Fenton, and this is episode 39 of the Good Life News podcast and blog. The focus of this month's episode is the spiritual fruit of kindness. Kindness is the fifth of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and then kindness. Every act of kindness is a seed of hope. As I was thinking about developing the content of this post a few days ago, for the first time I became aware of a natural progression in this list. I had never realized this before, so it was like opening a new window of understanding for me in my own spiritual journey. What became suddenly apparent to me is that each of these individual fruits build on each of the other fruits preceding it. For instance, the fruit of love, agape love, serves as the foundation for all the rest. Agape love then produces joy, which in turn provides us with peace. And when we have peace, we can then have patience, and patience allows us to practice kindness. In fact, all of these first five fruits combine their influence to nurture the final four, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will explore those in due time in this series of podcasts and blog posts. So today, may God bless you as we take a look at this important character quality of kindness. And I pray that you will experience the patience of the saints in your life today and know the power it provides to live in kindness and mercy in every relationship of your life. On the blog, if you happen to be listening to this in the podcast, There is a meme pictured there with a man that is obviously in distress. He's slumped way over. He has a cane and looks to be an older fellow. And along beside him, the words in this meme are this. Even the strongest hands can lose their grip, and the greatest minds can become cloudy, and the biggest hearts can break. So be kind. Just always be kind. I was so moved by this meme that I had to share it with you. May we never forget that everyone carries a heavy load of one kind or another. A simple word of care may make all the difference in someone's life. A smile or a friendly wave may just give the lift somebody needs. So our study today focuses on kindness, and it's something we can choose to do. Now let me share a little mission story with you. Has God ever spoken to you through a friend's comment, and the friend never knew the importance to you of what he or she said? It has happened to me several times, but one specific incident from long ago really made a long-term impact on my attitude. It was sometime around 1972 or 73. My wife Ruth and I, along with several other young couples, were invited as missionaries to Taiwan. Our first assignment was to spend two years in language school, studying Mandarin Chinese. Three of these young families, including Ruth and myself, lived in Taichung, 
a large city about a hundred miles south of Taipei. Our classes were held at a branch of the Taipei Language Institute there, and outside of language study itself, we often shared common experiences of living in a foreign culture, worship, shared meals, and just life in general. During that time, we weren't really engaged in the administrative or any other functions of the church mission. Nonetheless, we held some strong opinions about how the mission ought to be run, what policies were antiquated and needed to be replaced, and just a lot of general criticism of the leaders. The regional union mission headquarters for Taiwan and Hong Kong was in Taipei. We three young Turks decided to write a letter to the union president. Our purpose was to basically tell him what we thought about things and how bad we thought he was doing his job. Uh, that was a stellar idea, right? The three of us gathered in my living room, and I brought out my portable typewriter, sat down, and typed in the president's name and address. Dear Elder Blank, I wrote on the salutation line. I paused and asked, okay guys, how do we want to say this? And that's where my friend said to me these eight unforgettable words. Well, whatever we write, we must be kind. Long pause. I guess it finally dawned on us at that moment that maybe our idea of writing that letter wasn't such a good plan after all. Thank God for friends who can sometimes speak truth to misguided friends and bring us back to our better selves. We decided to join in prayer about our concerns, taking them to the Lord alone. And much to our joy, he worked out his solutions in his own way and his own time. And I can just say, hallelujah, what a God we serve. You see, kindness comes from love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the Apostle Paul writes that love is kind. As I thought about that little story I just shared, I realized that we three conspirators actually cared more about our own ideas than we did about the administrators of the mission. We didn't really love the people. We were far more in love with how we thought things ought to be done. Everything would work out a lot better if we ever got a chance to be in charge, you know. Oh my, wasn't that the same sentiment voiced by Absalom against his father David? And wasn't that the same claim that Lucifer made against God? I'm afraid we didn't realize the seriousness of our misplaced judgments. Jesus called out the Pharisees for the same sinful attitudes twice in Matthew 9.13 and again in 12.7. Jesus told them, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Mercy, not sacrifice. These words of Jesus are a quotation from the Old Testament, Hosea 6, verse 6. They apply directly to our focus today on the spiritual fruit of kindness. Here's the thing. If you do not care about someone or his or her needs, you really cannot show mercy when a situation requires it. Caring comes from agape love, and love is kind, as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. This level of caring, having a kind, compassionate, empathic heart, is at the very heart of true Christianity. Jesus 
modeled God's love as a perfect example of how his followers should act. He taught that they should pray for their enemies, feed the hungry, clothe the destitute, visit prisoners, care for widows and orphans, and on and on. In his early years, Saul of Tarsus was anything but kind. All that mattered to him was perfection by his own obedience to the law and his reputation with the Pharisees and other Jewish leaders in the Sanhedrin. To gain their approval, Saul had no hesitation in persecuting the nascent Christian church. He gladly threw believers in jail and caused them to be punished unmercifully and even participated in putting some to death. But then he met the glorified Christ on the Damascus Road. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. That encounter changed everything for Saul, later to be known as Paul, a great apostle who wrote much of the New Testament. Without doubt, Paul went through several years of growing in grace, but following God's lead, he went on to establish churches everywhere, inspire thousands, write letters of encouragement and instruction, and eventually died a martyr for the cause of Christ. The influence of this one man is truly beyond calculation. Paul's letters are filled with messages of God's love and every fruit of the Spirit. Repeatedly, Paul urges his readers to practice kindness. Here are just a few. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is kind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, always try to be kind to each other. 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's servant must be kind to everyone. There's an old hymn we used to sing that beautifully captures the true spirit of love and kindness. It's really a children's hymn, but I love it, and it goes like this. God is love, and we're his little children. God is love, we would be like him. Tis love that makes us happy. Tis love that smooths the way. It helps us mind. It makes us kind to others every day. So here's a question, the answer to which reveals real insight into our character. How do you treat your animals? Well, the answer to this question is important because the spiritual gift of kindness does not limit itself to our human relationships but actually extends to everything around us. I'll explain more in just a moment, but first I want to share a glimpse into my own mother's heart. This story might seem to be a little quaint, but to me, it's quite precious. After my father died in 1972, mother continued living in the old family farmhouse for the next 13 years, except for a 10-month break when she visited Taiwan, where my family and I were living. While she lived at home, she continued to plant and tend a vegetable garden, just as she had done for many years. When I asked above, how do you treat your animals, I imagine most of us would think of our pets, like dogs and cats, birds, and so forth. As a farm kid, my mind immediately goes to our cows and horses, lambs and chickens. But my mother was one of a kind. She loved growing tomatoes, big, red beautiful, delicious fruit that you could eat right out in the garden or bring into the kitchen for a wonderful fresh tomato sandwich. 
The problem was that there were some garden pests that loved her tomato vines too. We called them tomato worms, but actually the name was tomato hornworms. That's because a large horn-like spike stuck nearly straight up on the creature's tail end. And I have a picture of a tomato hornworm here on the blog post. Well, these were big worms. They were probably three inches long and as big around as a grown man's thumb. They were bright green, the same color as the tomato vines, and had several pairs of legs they used for crawling around on the tomato vines, and they loved to eat those vines. And to say the least, Mother did not want these pests to destroy her tomato vines. She would pick each one she saw off the vines and put it into a metal can along with several others she had already collected. Later, she would destroy the worms with her garden hoe, but until she could finish her other work in the garden, she would place the metal can of worms in a shady spot, these are her words, so they won't suffer from the heat of the sun. Oh, mother, they're just worms. Yes, I know, she would answer. But even though I'm going to kill them later, I don't want them to suffer. I don't know if they have feelings or not, but God wants us to treat everything with kindness. I think they're happier in the shade than out in the hot sun. And then she would add, but I also don't want them in my garden. Now, it, that may be just a quaint little story of my mother's way of thinking, but as I said, to me it's precious. I truly believe she was filled with the Holy Spirit and desired nothing more than to let her life in every relationship, human or otherwise, be a testimony of God's love. The following two quotations rather nicely sum up the purposes God has for us as believers and subjects of his kingdom. They come from a little book which was written in the 19th century and which has impacted literally millions of people in their spiritual journeys on a worldwide basis. The little book is called Steps to Christ, and this comes from page 115. In fact, both of the quotations here, both of these paragraphs come from page 115. So here's the first one. In every one of his children, Jesus sends a letter to the world. If you are Christ's follower, he sends in you a letter to the family, the village, the street where you live. Jesus, dwelling in you, desires to speak to the hearts of those who are not acquainted with him. End quote. And the second quotation, the children of God are called to be representatives of Christ, showing forth the goodness and mercy of the Lord. As Jesus revealed to us the true character of the Father, so we are to reveal Christ to a world that does not know his tender, pitying love. And friends, as we are kind to other people, or to other animals, or whatever it may be, if we have kindness as the one of the central themes of our, of our own experience, people will see Jesus in you. People will see Jesus in me, and that's what I certainly want. So thank you so much for listening today. I pray that you have been blessed. I hope you can join me for next month's episode, and I'll be sharing some thoughts on the spiritual gift of goodness. 
So watch for it. It's going to drop on June 27. So mark your calendar. Be sure to tune in and invite someone else to listen with you. And if you enjoy these podcasts and blog posts, again, I invite you to please do share the links with your friends, your family, or whomever. And of course, my many thanks in advance. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website, www.goodlifenews.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and other podcast platforms. If you would like to help out in this ministry, it is incredibly helpful if you would leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Well, thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next time as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.